Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I just want to pray over your word this morning. I just want to pray for an anointing over Andrew, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that wherever we're watching church today, Lord, I just pray that you'll fill those spaces with your Holy Spirit, Lord. May your voice be the only voice that we hear today, Lord. I just pray in Jesus' name for an anointing over the word, a filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you that Andrew is your vessel, and I thank you. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do through the word this morning. And I just pray that your words will be spoken through Andrew, and lives will be changed, chains will be, lives will be changed, Chains will be broken off, Lord, and hearts will be turned to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jess. If I stop, if I go quiet halfway through this, the battery's only got two little thingies on it on my mic, so I'll grab the other mic. We'll see how we go. Hey, great to see you this morning, Long Jetty. Um, thanks for joining us online. In the 1980s, Deborah Goddard, not sure if you heard of Deborah, I'd never heard of Deborah, bought a piece of costume jewellery, a nice ring, for $13 from a humble boot car sale, car boot sale. 33 years later, Deborah decided to sell the jewellery, hoping to raise a little cash after her mum lost a fortune to fraud. When she took the ring to a jeweller, she was stunned to discover that the costume ring that she'd paid $13 for was actually a 25-carat diamond ring worth a fortune. It turned out to have an estimated value of $600,000. Recently, I was thinking about the favour of God. Do you ever... I don't know, sometimes we just use words and we don't really think about what they mean and occasionally I'll think of a word and go, you know what, I've never really, what do I mean when I say that? It's good to know what we're talking about. Think about the favour of God and often I've thought of the favour of God, you know, like someone who's really successful might have God's favour or we ask for God's favour, but what is it really? Um, And a lot of what, you know, you Google things and a lot of things about how do you get it and I thought, I actually want to know what it is. Well, one definition is the favour of God. In the Bible, the same word's very similar for grace. And when we talk about God's grace, we talk about unmerited favour. Um, so we're thinking of favour, we're also thinking of grace. Bill Johnson from Bethel Church says this, when we have favour with someone, we have special access to them. And we receive something from them. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? I think I want some, I think I'd like to have God's favour. Actually, I'd like to have people's favour. I looked up the opposite of favour. It says disapproval. Who likes disapproval? No, me neither. I certainly don't want God's disapproval. Sometimes we talk about the favour of God, but it's something that's good to get or how to get it or what. I want to, well, this morning I want us to think about how do we look after it? I'm going to talk about how actually we, it's offered to all of us, it's available to all of us, and when we, do what we need to do to get it, um, what do we do to take care of it? I was also thinking um, in preparing this sermon about our dog, Henry. Now, Henry has become a very important part of our family, Um, almost like one of the kids. Henry is our sausage dog, sorry for those of you who don't know. And so when we go on holidays, everyone really values Henry. So um, when we go on holidays, we want him to stay somewhere. We want someone to look after him the same or better 
than what we would, how we would look after him. And um, I was in two minds whether to mention this even this morning. I did have some photos, but I didn't end up bringing them. Um, but the last people we left Henry with were dash hound crazy people, a bit like Glennis. And um, they just love dash hounds. And so they were sending us pictures of Henry at a dash hound party, eating food with other dash hounds and little things on. And I'm going, we have never taken Henry to a dash hound party. Actually, we will probably never take Henry to a dash hound party. But you know what? We knew he was in good hands. And you know what? I believe when God gives us his favor, he wants us to know it's in good hands. Why? Well, partly because God's favor is represented by the cross. God's favor is represented by Jesus. And um, we're going to look at that this morning. So first of all, you know, the lady didn't recognize the ring. It's a $13 ring. She didn't recognize its value. And so my first point this morning is we recognize God's favor by recognizing Jesus. We recognize. Have you ever not recognized the value of something? There's millions of people around the world who have no idea or don't recognize the value of Jesus. You know, that's why we're doing Alpha. Because we want people to investigate Jesus' claims. And we believe that when people do investigate Jesus' claims, they'll see that he really is who he said he was. And he can really change their lives. See, in John, I think there's been times in my Christian life I thought favor was just for some people. And you read this and you go, hang on, favor, God's favor is available for everybody. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. Not just the popular people, not just the cool people, not just the rich people or the poor people. He loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. See, that's valuable. God didn't, God holds his son in very high value. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Also love 2 Peter 3 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Peter was talking about the Lord's return. As some understand slowness, instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I think too often we can think that God's favor falls on some and not on others. We see great evangelists or church leaders of great big churches that do amazing things for God, and we think, well, how did they get such favor? But this morning I want us to realize um, from the Bible it says that God's favor is available for all of us. Sure, I think the parable of the talents tells us something, that some get three talents and one talent and five talents, and we're just responsible for doing what we've been given. So sure, some may in some sense get um, more, um, but we all get something. And in that parable, it says the one talent was of incredible worth as well. Just because one guy got three and one got five doesn't mean the one wasn't of priceless value as well. He got something very valuable as well. So we all get something. We all get God's favor in one way or another. Uh, but I believe the difference is what do we do with it? And there's a couple of really sad passages in the Bible that I think are the same story, told one by Matthew, one by Luke. And um, the one in Luke I want to refer to this morning is when Jesus approached Jerusalem and he looked over the city and he wept over it. And he said to them, 
you know, I think he's coming in Jerusalem. I don't know how many people were around, but he kind of spoke this over the city. If you even you had known on the day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. They go, gee, that all sounds harsh. But he said, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know what? Jesus himself walked among them and they did not recognize him. I believe they all had the opportunity to. And you know, you know history 70 years Roughly 70 years after Jesus, not even 70 years after Jesus said that, um, the city of Jerusalem was, was absolutely trashed. Um, so Jesus really there was prophesying. But the key to that was you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I wanna, I wanna, one of the things been on my mind recently, I've been reflecting. I think I finally, after 18 months, had time to maybe grieve, not grieve, but celebrate the grief part. How do you do that? the ending of the Salvos Discipleship School. And in reflecting on all the good things, you know, that was something that was in my life for 28 years. And in reflecting on that, I was thinking, what if I never applied to be a student in 1992 or 1991? What opportunities would I have missed out on? I today have lifelong friendships because I applied to that school. And I want us to ask that what if question today. What if I don't recognize the favor of God? It's available to me. It's available to all of us. Maybe we should check it out. So not only do we want to recognize God's favor by recognizing Jesus and who he is, we want to receive God's favor by receiving Jesus. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that, he, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. In other words, you'll come into God's family. You become a Christian. You become a, a brother with Christ and a son or daughter of the King of, of God. The favor of God comes through Jesus when we receive God's favor by receiving Jesus. If we see that he is the son of God, that he died for our sins and he rose again, if we ask him to forgive us for our sins and become our Lord and Savior, then we're actually receiving, by receiving Jesus, we're receiving the favor of God. Jesus said himself, I am the door. He said, I am the way. It is through Jesus and only Jesus that we access the favor of God. Um, some great teaching I love by Derek Prince on Psalm 91. He talks about the secret door. And he goes on to say he believes a secret door. And he puts this analogy, you know, like you're in a castle and you're looking for a secret, the secret room. And it's got all the gold in it. And, and often behind a painting or a tapestry, there's this, you turn the latch and you open this secret door and you find all the treasure. And he says, you know what? He believes the secret door is a cross. And on the outside, the cross looks, oh, why would, you, why would that be attractive? But as we embrace what Jesus did on the cross, we have access to the kingdom of God. See, from a distance, a bit like Moses and the burning bush, from a distance, it looks weird and like irrelevant. But when you get up close, when you investigate, you realize that Jesus and what he did on the cross is actually our access point to the favor of God. You know what? When we accept a job, 
we accept it with certain terms, don't we? We apply for the job, we know what's in the job, we go to the interview if we're lucky enough, and the person wants to give us the job, they also get us to sign a contract. And in that contract is, you know, you'll work 40 hours a week or whatever it is, and you have this hours this day, and you'll do these particular things. And imagine if you sign that contract, and then you show up for work, and you go, oh, oh I don't, actually, I wasn't planning on working 40 hours, I only want to work 20. I mean, you wouldn't have a job for very long, would you? But what I find often in our world is we want the favour of God, but is there some other way we can get it? <laughs> hey, we love, we live in a society that loves to want to have its cake and eat it too. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door. It's through Jesus that we access God's favour. When we receive God's favour, we receive Jesus. I remember having my interview, actually, for my apprenticeship when I was about 18. I wanted an electrical apprenticeship. I went to Brisbane this day. I felt this was the job that was right for me. I remember sitting in an interview with three people on the panel. One was the boss, and there was two foremen. I found out later they were the foreman. And, you know, the boss was quite friendly, and one foreman was quite serious. And the middle foreman was a bit jovial. And in the middle of the interview, he goes, oh, you don't mind climbing around under buildings with bugs and spiders and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, I hate spiders, but I want the job. And so I said, oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> well, I spent the next four years climbing around under buildings and in factories with spiders and bugs and dust and dirt. And I could have showed up and said, oh, well, I'd... So they... and this is true. Before that, I'd done a pre-apprenticeship course. They said, oh, electrician, that's a clean job. That's a clean trade. Mate, I spent four years rolling around in dirt. And I could have said after the first three weeks, well, no one told me I was going to get dirty. See, if we want to access the favour of God, we need to surrender our lives to Jesus. There is no other way. And yeah, you can look for another way, you can bump your head up against that way and this way, but Jesus said, I am the way. And so this morning I want us to understand that if we want God's favour, it's not through doing a funny dance, it's not through showing up at church, it's not through being kind to people, it's through accepting a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we receive the favour of God. Don't make it something weird because it's not. And thirdly, and, and the point I really want to dwell on this morning is, and I think a lot of us neglect this, we receive Jesus and then we think we just sit back on the couch. Well, that's not what it's about. It's how we steward God's favour. Imagine if we gave Henry to these people and they didn't feed him for two weeks. We'd never send him back there. Hey, or if he got hurt or whatever. Well, sometimes, you know, we accept Jesus and then we don't necessarily do anything with him. And this morning on this third point, I want to talk about how do we steward God's favor? How do we take care of? How do we value God's favor when we access it? Because it's not just to receive, we're meant to do something with it. And we find this in 2 Peter 1, 10. Um, it's actually... I would encourage you to read the whole of First, um, Second Peter 1. It's a fantastic chapter when it talks about how we steward the favour of God. But in the message translation, it says this, verse 10 and 11, So friends, confirm God's invitation to you. In other words, this is how you make sure you're a Christian. His choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. In other words, make it a priority. Do this and you will have your life on a firm footing. The streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In other words, 
you'll know you're saved and you'll have a, a confirmation that you're going to heaven. Confirm God's invitation to you. How? He tells us in verse 5 to 7. And this is an NIV translation if it comes up. Um, first, Second Peter 1, 5 to 7. For this very reason, he says, make every effort. Same as before where he said, don't put it off, do it now. Make every effort. One translation says, with all diligence. That same thing of, don't panic about it, but make it a priority. To add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Now it says if you have these things in increasing measure, you know you're okay. So I'm looking at these things, I'm going, wow, do I have these in increasing measure? That's a sign that I'm stewarding the favor of God well. Let's look at what these things are. Faith. Well, simple definition of faith is trust. A little bit harder one is full reliance on God. Are we fully reliant on God? Do we trust him enough to be more reliant on him than we are on people or systems or governments or finances or employees? Are we fully reliant on God? God meets our needs through all those things, but are we trusting God, not the things? Goodness is, can be defined moral excellence. Hey, we could do with a bit more of that in our world today, couldn't we? Actually, I think sometimes we could do with a bit more of that in, our, in the church. In general, moral excellence is goodness. And really when I say goodness, you know, Jesus Christ says, no one's good but God. That bar is really high. But when we receive the favor of God, we're meant to not just receive Jesus and come into a relationship with him. We're meant to start becoming like him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're be meant to become, I was going to say it, can't help myself, gooder. We're meant, all the grammarians out there are dying right now. But we're, we're meant to become more good, more like Jesus. He says, he's the only one who is good. He's the only one that has moral excellence. I don't think we'll ever have moral excellence this side of heaven. But we're meant to grow towards it and become more and more morally excellent, if that makes sense. Um, next one's knowledge. Now, you know, this is not just information. This is, involves diligent study and the pursuit of truth in the word of God. It's a kind of knowledge that doesn't come automatically, but through obedience. How interesting is that? Is that this knowledge we're meant to grow in comes by revelation of the Holy Spirit when we're obedient. You know why there's so many theologians out there that are taking people up the wrong path? Because they're learning here, but it's not coming through obedience and revelation of the Holy Spirit. How we grow in the knowledge of God is by obeying Him. If the Bible isn't making sense to you, Go back to the last time thing God told you to do and do it. Because sometimes we don't get revelation because we're walking in disobedience. And God, you know, we, we actually get a... When, every time we disobey God, we get a spiritual blindness. Everyone else can see it but us. That's the scary thing. And so make sure that we're walking in obedience and then we get more and more light. See, God's not going to give us more light if we didn't do the right thing with the light he's already given us. And so as we obey the light we've been given, we get more light. We get more knowledge. That's what that word knowledge means. Self-control has a reference to restraining passions and appetites. We could all do with more of that, eh? It points to the inner power to control one's own desires and appetites. Perseverance. This is an interesting one. It actually means to abide under. 
The idea is to remain under some discipline, subjecting oneself to something which demands the submission of one's will to something against one's naturally would rebel against. Isn't that interesting? We don't know how rebellious we are until the government just asks us to wear masks. Hey? That brings out our rebellious spirit. Well, you're not going to tell me what to do. You know what, friends? The whole world is set up for people to be telling you what to do. Last time you did the speed limit, you're actually being told what to do. You know, God has set up the world for us to be submissive to each other, submissive to him, submissive to authority. And when we haven't got submissiveness nailed, we need to grow more like Jesus. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is something we could grow in. And so that sense, that perseverance is really being, when we're under something, the the ability to stay there and not try to escape that. Because through that pressure, God is growing us up. Interesting definition. God in us seeks to do the will of God, seeks the will of God and the welfare of others, making the kind of decisions that are right and noble, not taking the easy path. Godliness is about doing what's right because it's right. Not for what I'm going to get or who I'm going to please, but doing what's right. Again, godliness is like being like Jesus. He did what was right because it was right. And when we grow as Christians, our motives, like Jess was talking about in the offering talk, great offering talk, it's about our motives. It's only reading this morning in my devotions. If we give out of a wrong motive, um, it counts like zero. That's sobering, isn't it? We can give everything, but if our motive's wrong, it means zero in the kingdom of God. It's very confronting. So we do what's right just because it's right. Um, one, one translation uses the term mutual affection or brotherly love. And that is um, a warm affection like brothers and sisters would exhibit to each other. And like we are in the family of God, it manifests itself in acts of kindness, mutual affections, just being nice to each other, basically. And finally, um, love is that word agape love. It's that love of God. It's that unconditional love that chooses an act of self-sacrifice. I actually said this in definition. Yeah, agape love is not a feeling. It's a choice. There's other love that you know you can describe, and that's a feeling, and that comes and goes. And but agape love, the love of God, the love that is God, the love that comes from God, is about a choice to act self-sacrificingly to serve the person who's receiving that. God didn't make His favor available through Jesus so that we could get to heaven or just get to heaven, but that we could become more like Jesus in our character. If we have these qualities, like Peter said, in increasing measure, we are being good stewards of God's favor. You know what? After looking at those words, I'm going to use that as a bit of a measuring stick to how I'm going. You know, last year I was actually making some good progress on self-control. This year I've slipped a bit. I think, well, you know what? I want to be growing more and more like Jesus. That's, that's what we're called to do. We're not just called to get a kind of sit on an airplane and go free flight to heaven. We're actually meant to be flying the plane. We're meant to be doing something with what God's given us. You know, I just wonder if um, Deborah Goddard didn't take her ring to the jeweler. And you know what? She probably felt silly because she paid $13 for this ring. I don't know why she took it to the jewelers. 
But she probably felt silly because this is, a, you know, maybe the jeweler even asked her what she paid for it, where she got it. But she took the risk of looking silly. What if we don't investigate Jesus' claims? What if we don't give ourselves a chance to recognize Jesus as being the most valuable gift we could ever receive? I want to ask you this morning, do we recognize the value of God's favor? Have we accepted God's favor in the person of Jesus Christ? And are we stewarding God's favor well by working with God and in becoming more like Jesus? He gives us the power, but we work in agreement with him. And if you study um, this chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, it's all about our part and God's part. And it talks about this synergy that God won't do his part unless we're doing our part. And we can't do our part without his part. Does that make sense? They work together. It's almost like if I stop working on me, God waits. Isn't that interesting? They, they work together. So we have our part to do in those things I spoke about. You know, I believe Alpha is one of those opportunities that maybe um, you'll look back on in five years and say, what if I never went to Alpha? What if? I want to ask that question. What if? I ask that question. What if I never applied for the Salvos Discipleship School? How different would my life be? Or what if I never accepted Jesus? What if I never recommitted my life to Jesus when I was 18? How different may my life look? It's good to ask that sometimes in reflection. I remember a, a gentleman at our first church at Toronto, Westlake Salvation Army, who he went to an Alpha program. And, and this was his journey to salvation. He didn't get saved at Alpha, but he said, oh, they're nice people. I might start going to church. And not long after he started going to church, he became a Christian. What if he never went to Alpha? Or in 10 years, your life has changed for the better, and you think, what if I didn't investigate Jesus' claims? I wouldn't have become a Christian, and I wouldn't be enjoying the amazing journey that I'm currently on. You know what? I love this verse. It says, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. I believe that's true. Right now. And it's the same in an hour's time. Right now. In 10 hours' time, right now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I love Isaiah 2, 66, 2. It says, Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. This morning, I guess I want to challenge you in a couple of areas. One is, if you don't know Jesus, please check him out. Please just investigate his claims and see if he is the favor of God. Um. I mean, I, I, for me, you might say, why do you want the favor of God? You know what? Because the favor of God in my life has given me purpose that nothing else ever could have. And I think there's too many people out there looking for purpose today. And purpose is actually found in the person of Jesus Christ. For those of you who have found him, my question like it was for me as I'm preparing this message was, am I stewarding God's favor well? Am I valuing my relationship with Jesus? Because if I am, it looks like spiritual growth. It looks like growth in those areas that Peter listed out in 2 Peter chapter 1. Am I growing in self-control? Am I growing in perseverance or always looking to escape 
the difficulties of life or the challenges or the tests of life? Am I growing in those things? Am I growing in agape love in my life? I want you to think about this morning as the worship team um, comes and spend this time as a time of meditation, reflecting maybe on those passages in Second Peter um, 5 to 7. And may we make sure that we're as surrendered to Jesus and surrendered to the Holy Spirit as much as we can be this morning.